My name is David Yun, and welcome to my viewfinder. This is a podcast where I speak to photographers about why they shoot as opposed to what they shoot with. My hope is to produce inspiring content to get you out there looking at the world creatively. Each episode will end in a thought or project to help bring this to the fore, so make sure you get to the end and uh, interact with me. If you're interested in continuing this project with me, you can help me out by clicking subscribe uh, and leaving me a review on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find me on Instagram at my viewfinder podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MVF podcast, or you can email me directly at mvfpodcast at gmail.com. This week, I continue my talk with Rocio Graham. We discuss her experiences with her recent project in self-portraiture and discovering her spiritual roots. We also dive into her experiences uh, with representation in Calgary and what she believes is a different experience even within the BIPOC community. That people of color that were born here have their own advantages versus people who are just entering the country. Uh, let's find out more of what she believes and here's the conclusion of my talk with Rocio. When you talk about how people are interacting with the work, and I think this is not just for this project, but in general, I mean, what is, what would you say is the most important or the most um, authentic way to get real criticism and real conversation? So for example, what do you look for to get a feeling that, let's say the general public and not just a curator, I don't want to say get it because that's that's a very narrow thing because uh, nobody needs to necessarily be in your head, but uh, like to tell what they're experiencing. Um, you know, I, I just bring that up because I do find it difficult in any of the projects that I get around um, to get a lot of critical opinion. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of people that tell you that you're full of shit uh, to your face. Uh, so... Um, yeah, I mean, how do you grow through these processes? Like, do you have, like, what's the feedback loop that you can keep evolving as opposed to getting stuck in this idea that, you know, getting 100 likes on Instagram means you're doing well, right? So. Yeah, and you know what? In, in, yeah, and, uh, and Instagram is very, um, it's, an, it's an awesome tool. It has allowed me to meet amazing people and develop relationships with people that I, otherwise I would not, uh, kindred spirits, I would call it. But it's it's all curated and so mediated. Um, I try to to write as as honest as I can, as I would write to you know my best friend. And so I try to what I post there is the stuff that I will you know tell my friend. Except that I don't use the f work as much as I usually use it in my personal life. <laughs> so that's that's the only censor thing that I that I do there. Um, but I find it that I am very, I feel that I'm very lucky though, because I have connections, very candid connections with a few artists, people who I can ask them and I say, Hey, I'm doing this. What do you think? And they will literally tell me, eh, oh, well, you can't, yeah, I don't know. You're trying to say this, but I'm not so sure that that's what is actually projecting or or they will be like, oh my gosh, she's amazing, right? So I have these, these friends that sort of keep me honest, for lack of a better word. Um, I have, I have, I think I, I have a good community of people that I can just 
bounce back and forth, um, having those close connections with people. And I'm having constantly these conversations with these people. And we talk about all sorts of things. They talk about their artwork. I talk about my artwork. And we, because we both or like, you know, all these people, we all want to be, um, we want the other person to develop their practice. And we know that just saying like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. It doesn't really serve them. So it's the same for me. Someone asked me, especially someone who I know that can take it, can take a, a candid opinion, um, I'll give it. I'll just say, hey, you know what? This is working, this is not working. Or you say one thing, but what you see is something different. Um, or like, oh yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Like it's, it's, I think it's important to have that community to keep you enriched. And, and, and you need to be humble and be open enough to, to consider whatever you hear. And some of the things that you consider that, that you're hearing might be very helpful on some of the stuff. And that's, that's the difficulty. How do you know what to listen to? And sometimes, you know, I would have someone saying like, well, you know, I think that maybe this direction is better. It will make the work stronger. And then my gut just is like, no, that's not what I mean. And so at the end of the day, I have to trust my gut. And so if my little belly is telling me that that's not, that's not my thing, then, then I trust that. How much has that voice changed over the years? <laughs> your, your gut voice. A lot, a lot. <laughs> but I have to say, I'm the worst critic. Like, I have to say, even this, this body of work, I would say probably only two images. I'm okay with them. But I usually I create an image. And I'm super excited about it. And two weeks later, I already hate them. I'm like, oh could have done so much better like oh what was I thinking oh I could have done this and I could you know light it this way and I could focus here and my depth of field and all these technicals and and I can just go on and on with the technical things that I could fix in my images and in the past I actually have a lot of body of work I because I'm quite productive um, in terms of creating I have so many bodies of work that have never seen the light because they never made it past my critical eye. And I was like, ah, that's one of the challenges for me is to stop myself and be like, okay, you know what? Just put the work out there. People either will, you know, engage with it or they won't. And that's okay, you know? And so I'm slowly giving myself that permission. This is a message from one of our sponsors, Rumi. Cold drafts, flickering lights, and where's that leak coming from? If you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get those questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. So you brought up a little bit about, uh, let's say, the nuance of uh, self-portraiture. I mean, um, what would you say is the biggest difference between taking photographs of compost and taking photographs of yourself? <laughs> oh, it's so complex. Let me tell you, the biggest challenge for me is because I'm by myself and I'm trying to, I have to calculate the distance where like, so I, I will try to focus my camera in a certain point where I will imagine that that's where I'm going to be standing. 
and making sure that the depth of field is is is, is proper, that I'm you know have good focal points, and then you know put the timer run with head decorations and body things, um, wait for the timer and do that, and then go and check, and then realize like oh my face is blurry or this is blurry or like whatever. So that's the biggest challenge because is so more instant as opposed to my organic compositions i can control it more and i can't you know they're not moving they're static um so i can control the camera better and the lighting too right and so because i'm using natural light mostly um i could use the strobes but i've chosen not to anyway so so that is very technically complex the one with me in the water was awful. For that one, that image of me, I call it the Ophelia, but it's not the Ophelia. It's like book number three, and I'm floating in water, and I couldn't do it myself. There was no way I could do it without any assistance. So for that one, I had my friends coming for a weekend in the summer. Actually, it was that was done on my birthday. And, and I was like, it has to happen now because I need someone to help me get into the water and making sure that the camera doesn't fall into the into the pond. So um, my friends were my assistants that day, and then it was it was very chaotic, right? So having someone just like throw flowers at me right now, and then someone holding me on the toe as I'm floating, and then trying to make sure that there's no water in my nostrils, and the timer is going, and like make sure the camera doesn't fall. So my friends helped me with that one, and and. Otherwise, no way I could actually have done it. That was actually really, really challenging. Um, but also it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of stuff happening that day. So yeah, it was great to, you know, and I kept thinking like, I need assistance. I need someone who, you know, like can help me with dress and helps me carry this, <laughs> um, but I'm not there yet, so. Did you find the... Um any sort of experiential difference being behind and in front of the camera? I mean, obviously there's going to be quite a different thing, um, but from a mindset perspective and uh, and building this project, would you say that there's something that stood out to you that was either um, a hurdle you had to overcome or, you know, what, what was it like to, uh, yeah, be on both sides. Like, I don't like getting my picture taken. Never mind taking my own picture. So, um, I mean, I don't know if that's ironic or just natural as a photographer. But, um, yeah, I mean, where were you in that space? How was it? photographers that I know, everybody that I know that is a photographer hates having to their picture taker, taken, which is why we're photographers. We, we, we get to control um, that device pointed at other people instead of pointing at us. So for me, again, that was part of the reclaiming the, and, and that was facing my own fears. You know, like every other human in the planet, I I have some, I'm self-conscious about certain things about how, how I look in camera or how people see me or whatever. So I was, it was very, it was very vulnerable. I had to really be okay with that. And yeah, that was for me the most vulnerable work I'd ever done, even from that perspective, right? Like it's um, just just showing yourself and taking a space. And I think that was actually one of the things that I wanted to overcome. I wanted to overcome the fear of taking visual space. 
So by putting myself out there, I was forcing to confront that. And so it was it was really good. I, I highly recommend it to everyone. Like if you really hate having your picture taken, do self portraits. <laughs> Dress up in leaves. I uh, I'm just imagining how different must have been like the first day that you you know took your own photograph. You like the first frame, which you probably didn't like to having your friends throwing you in a pond and watching you do this process and being a part of it. I mean, was, that has to be such a fundamentally different mindset and experience. It's uh, Yes. And you know what? I would say, like, if it wasn't because it was um, Daryl and, jo- and Jordan, if it wasn't for them, no way I would have let anybody do that. I, I like to work solo, just in general. I, I get into my groove. I get into my mind. And when there's other people there, there's other energies, and it just changed my my way of working. But um, Daryl and Jordan are very, very, very trusted friends. And so the fact that I'm there naked with a dead snake in my chest and flowers, and they're seeing me as I'm like looking like a beach whale trying to come out of the water. Rolls of of skin coming and booth flapping and snakes coming, you know, um, you know, they all had like had to hold a dead snake and put it in my chest and run away. And anyway, it was um, yes, it was very. After that, I was like, okay, we're friends for life. You know, you you're seeing everything and you are seeing me doing the craziest thing. So yeah, we're we're friends for life. <laughs> fascinating yeah i mean i i don't know I, I mean we've kind of touched about this idea of yeah representation and agency i do remember uh, during the summer there were a lot of different um, events that were going on which were uh, making you feel like the idea i mean calgary is a unique thing I, I mean i bring up that you're from mexico because you know i think calgary in particular has a very in canada i mean it's very white, and I think that there's a, there's a strong tone, um, the way that people expect each other to behave and what they give to each other, etc. So, you know, your experience is growing as an artist and getting representation here and getting your voice and your experience out. Um, I know that the last year, um, as far as our conversations, has been one that is also eye-opening in a, I, I guess, political sense. So without going into sort of uh, politics, um, you know, how does your ability to be creative and to express yourself, uh, in this case, visually, help you deal with um, your experiences there? Um, I think if we're talking about blending yourself with flowers and dead snakes, I mean, I think there's a message there, but, um, you know, how, how do you find that you're able to deal with where you find yourself today as an artist in Calgary? First of all, everything is political. We can't get away from that. It's a fantasy when we when we say, oh, no, I don't want to get political. Everything, our choices, the, ty- the brand of cereal that you choose in the morning is political. You know, the type of gas that you put in your car is political. So everything that we do has that political connection to because we are making decisions based on our political beliefs. Based on your political beliefs, that's the school that your kids go to school to. Um, that's the type of clothes that you wear. So I think it's a fantasy that we cannot be political. Everything is political. And yes, in terms of talk and representation and self-agency, I think 
Calgary is actually quite diverse. The systems that, particularly the art systems, have been traditionally white. That's the difference. The art systems uh, have not necessarily served the, or reflected, in, that's a better word, reflected the true diversity of the city because the diversity, I see it everywhere. Just get into the train, you see that diversity right there. You might not see the diversity in Melbourne Park, but you definitely see it. Get on the train, in the C train, and it's right there. I think what has happened, and obviously we have to acknowledge that the Black Lives Matter movement, I was going to say, I, I, what word to use, ignited. It has been ignited. It's just that this particular year we rekindle. I think I like the word rekindle because that conversation has been happening for many, many decades at different stages with different agency levels. Um, but that conversation has got rekindled in terms of representation. And I think, you know, it's just reminded us that we have to continue taking a space and we have to continue advocate for diverse systems that truly reflect, reflect the diversity of our society. And I think that, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of activism in my community with marginalized artists, either through the mental health arts, you know, a section that I am very involved, but also with organizations like Spanish Arts, where, you know, I keep telling my fellow Latin artists, it's like, you have to take space. You can't wait for someone to offer that space. And, and when I mean taking a space, Taking a space starts by representing yourself the way you are, which is how I'm representing myself this year. I have chosen very consciously to represent myself with a lot of my history in indigenous rituals, with a lot of mysticism. So there's a lot of, you know, mystical uh, references in my work, you know, my latest work. And that was conscious because I do not want to tame down. I, I'm going to use an analogy of the Mexican food. I am not going to serve you, you know, Tex-Mex, uh, Santa Fe, watered down salsa for your liking. I'm done with that. If you want to eat at my table, you're going to eat what I'm getting you. And I'm getting you the whole chimichanga with the whole real, you know, deal. And so that's the analogy that I did. And and that for me, that's a permission. And it's not, um, you know, um, I don't want to say it in a very um, condescending way. I say it in a very loving, because I also think that by me being authentic in my work and in my background and how I present myself through my art, it's not just about me. Is almost is is also a gift to the traditionally white community. I mean, like the art systems. So it's a service for for them, for those systems to be myself, because it makes the whole art systems richer. So that's how I see it. I think it is just not honest, but I think it's a gift. It's a gift to our society, and it gives permission to others to be themselves. Just a quick uh, follow up. 
do you find, I mean, I don't know uh, specifically who's been in the Latin art community that you've been in touch with, but do you find that, um, you know, we talked a little bit in our Exposure Studio talks about uh, displacement and colonial this and that. Um, do you see a difference between you coming from Mexico and having grown up in a specific culture versus, let's say, a Latin com- a Canadian who was born here and doesn't have that root and how they might express something like what you're talking about? How do they? Uh, how have you experienced how they're trying to represent themselves? And is it better, you know, to say that I'm Canadian or is it better to say that my parents are from or my grandparents are from, therefore I ought to be? I uh, do you have any experience with the uh, the people that you've been in contact with about them. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I had this conversation twice this past week, and um, actually I had this because I'm putting together some art programming, and I did a list of recommendations of artists who I think that would be a great fit to show uh, resilience, and particularly from a BIPOC perspective. However, one of the things that I noticed in my programming is that most of the BIPOC artists that we were including, they were artists who have been born in Canada, but there are visible minorities and they have, you know, the challenges that BIPOC communities face. Um, So I reviewed my list and included artists who know we're only BIPOC, Uh, who are doing a lot of amazing, resilient work, but also that there were immigrants because there are nuances between the born BIPOC artists and the immigrant artists, substantial. And just from the get-go, like even language, like language accessibility, that can be a barrier. When you're not able to communicate your ideas, you lost the public right there. And also not knowing what are the systems that they support. Like, I mean, like for me, I came to Canada 17 years ago. It's only in the last five years that I figured out what, how the system work. You know, it took me a long time for me to understand that I could apply for a grant, that the grants actually existed, that there's a lot of supports for, for doing our work and presenting our work which is one of the reasons what I'm doing the work that I do, uh, you know, like I call it closeted activism in terms of um, trying to change that, to make those systems more visible for immigrants, for people who, you know, they still haven't figured out how the whole thing works, especially when they speak another language or where they're still struggling with, with the language barrier. So yes, there is a huge nuances. And I cannot tell people how they should represent themselves because that's their choice. That's, you know, that's their agency. I, I don't think that one thing is right and I don't think that one thing is wrong, but it's definitely, the difference is real. In terms of what I see with recent immigrants, you know, I know a lot of artists who have only been in Canada for five years they behave and they do their art practice very differently than a born Latin American artist per se. Fundamentally different. And they are inherited um, benefits or inherited privileges of having been, having been born in this, in this country, 100%. We can't deny that. 
And in the art system right now, what I see is that many times they want to do the tokenism and they want to show representation. And the first layer of scheming is always like the born Canadians, marginalized artists. That's the first scheme. You know, arts organizations, they, they struggle sometimes to go a few layers down into how they can actually be truly accessible or find those people that their voices, they need to be also represented to dig deep from the surface. And I understand it why, you know, arts organizations, sometimes they don't have the systems in place, they don't have this financial backing, or sometimes if themselves in the board of directors or in the staff, there's not enough diversity, it's easy to stay at the surface level. But I think that's something that we are all hopefully more conscious of and we try to really to explore that from a you know like deeper perspective, and that's and that's my hope. So yes, there is a fundamental difference. What is right, what's wrong? I'm not here to comment on that. <laughs> well, yeah, right and wrong is always a dangerous, dangerous dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah, and and I and I and goes goes back to my philosophy of how I conduct my art practice and how I conduct myself as an artist is the what if, what happens. So for me, it's not like I don't have necessarily a, a definite answer on that. It's just like, what happens if you involve recent immigrants artists? What happens if you reach out to certain communities that they haven't been, you know, represented as often as other ones? What happens? And that's the question. What happens? What happens when we change the way we do things? Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. <laughs> Exactly. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm doing this work with the philosophy. What happens? Let's see what happens. You know, I, I think that's the fundamental basis of creativity itself. I mean, how else can we build anything, if not new, at least different, if we don't ask that question? This episode of My Viewfinder is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Empathy kindness, generosity. We are united in our desire to give, to inspire hope, and transform the lives of people who are struggling in turbulent times. And the Calgary Foundation is here to help. From mental health programs to environmental causes, the Community Knowledge Center website features profiles of charitable organizations, all searchable by area of interest. Be inspired by compelling stories. Be informed of innovative work. Be responsive to the needs. To connect to hundreds of outstanding charitable organizations serving our community, visit ckc.calgaryfoundation.org. To learn more about the Calgary Foundation, visit calgaryfoundation.org. So there you have it. Those are Rocio's thoughts. What about you? I don't know if you're listening to this as a minority or part of the majority, but have you taken some time to dig deep into the experiences each individual may have working in the creative field? Well, not just here in Calgary, but anywhere in the world. Have we thought about how even within minorities, there are other minorities? Um, the slippery slope leads into a deep well. Uh, no specific photography projects today. I think instead I'll just leave you with that thought. And uh, honestly, it's not even just about people too. How we approach all of our subject matter becomes a reflection of where we're at, both positively and negatively. Developing a way to dive deeper into this is the basis of all art. For us, we just do it with our cameras. 
There's so much more work we can do to keep picking at this issue that divides us. And perhaps as we become more and more creative, we can even discover ways to bring us together. If there's one thing you could tell the world, what would it be? Well, it's interesting though, because I think, I, I wrote it here. I would tell the world, the biggest battle, the biggest battles and the biggest struggles are not with others, but with ourselves. And I believe that if we manage to break through our limiting beliefs, the stories that we tell ourselves, I think we can do anything. And I think that will be truly peace if we realize that the battle is not with the world. The battle is not with others. It's, it's, the battles are inside. <laughs> Figure those ones out and then you live a very peaceful life. I'll agree with that. I think it's very optimistic. So uh, it's end on a good note. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. But thank you for inviting me. That's awesome. <laughs>